you're going to kill way, way better quality of buck in the natural part of, of hunting with your licking branches, and especially with a good scrape. You've got a good scrape going straight to a licking branch established. Welcome to Wild Game Dynasties podcast episode number 89. Folks, this week's podcast is a great one with a great person, Smokey from Smokey's Deer Lures in the hills of West Virginia. Hey, Smokey's got a message to tell us because, well, he's got a product for all us white-tailed deer hunters and trappers for that matter, but we're focusing on white-tailed deer hunters. And you know me, I've basically switched over to the licking branch instead of uh, hauling a bunch of bait out in the woods. And I couldn't be a happier guide outfitter for that reason. And, well, hey, instead of me explaining it, let's roll right into a podcast with Smokey from Smokey's Deer Lures in the hills of West Virginia. And let's let him explain why it is all that important to switch our gears a little bit back to good old-fashioned scouting and the use of deer scents and lures for white-tailed deer hunting to make it a successful hunt for all of us. Let's roll. Smokey, this is Gary Morgan calling. Hi, Gary. This is Smokey, the old hillbilly from the hills of West Virginia. Boy, am I glad you called. Oh, man, I'm glad you picked up the phone. <laughs> well, I, I just finished up getting some mail orders done here and getting the products out to the hunters, and I got a little time now. Never too early, is it, for planning and pre uh, prepping out uh, what we love to do in, as far as our passion in the fall, is it? No, it's, it's a year-round thing. Yes, it is. I remember talking to a couple of buddies of mine, and I started talking about licking branches and going out in the woods in, you know, in, uh, I should say, July and August and even September. And they're looking at me and saying, man, how do you go out there? The bugs, the ticks and everything. I said, yeah, you're right, but I'd rather be doing that than hauling bait over my shoulder till your back's about done. To be, to be a successful hunter, I'm, I'm going on 72 years old. I walk every day. I walk at least a mile. Mm -hmm. And if you want to, you, you can't be sitting on the couch anyway. If you want to live to be a hunter, you've you got to get out there and you got to exercise a little bit. you got to move around, get on the tractor, get off the tractor, and, and just everything. But, you know, the desire scout got white-tailed and, um, you get out there, you get the exercise, you get to read sign, you get sharper in the woods, you learn woodsmanship, and you're just not going out there with a tractor or a, one of these four-wheelers and dumping 50 pounds of corn out, and finally they, they get one tame enough that they, they can kill. Well, I've got three products, three overall forehead and buck individual, and these licking branches are out there year-round. Good, good friend of mine, Jim Riggle. Yeah, guy that killed the biggest buck ever killed in Forest County, Pennsylvania. And yeah, we start in July, no no later than the first of August. Get get out there and uh, get your scouting done. Get these selected branches going. And there's and walk around. If you only walk around the edge of the field, you're going to find an old scrape from last year. You're going to find an old licking branch. Get down in the, in the bottoms. Look at, you know, walk out there where that old rub line was, an old straight line was. Learn what this is. Get out, get out there and, and uh, learn a little bit. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, Smokey. Um, yeah, I learned the hard way. I don't regret learning the hard way. I, I enjoyed hunting all my life. I mean, my dad introduced hunting to me, and that was long before any of us, 
you know, began to bait, and then baiting became kind of the thing, and we uh, we reluctantly joined it. I think we were late into the game because we thought, let's not do that. But then it seems like, uh, you know, we weren't blessed to have a, a lot of acreage. We had some, but not a lot, so we hunted public hunting lands. And then, you know, you find out that, you know, three or 400 yards away, somebody's got a bait pal, so we did too. Yeah, I never grew up with any of this, so I, you know, I see it on television all the time. They're they're doing it, and then they set up. Of course, this is a half hour show, and they got to set it up. You know, they got to kill something with right away, and, and that's the only way you can get one. I I guess that's it. But you know, it, it's not good for the younger generation. No. To watch us like that. No. It, it looks like it's way too easy. Just dump something on the ground and. They'll come out of the woodwork and run out there and get it. Now, a lot of them do. They they kind of do condition them to come yeah. out at a certain time when, when they're doing this. They got timers and all this other stuff that'll do that for them. Yeah. I, my dad hasn't hunted in just a few years. He's getting up there in age. But uh, he's, he did an awful lot of it. So I think he's happy to just now to be able to reflect. My brother and I both are avid hunters. I probably hunt less than any of us because I'm doing the guiding thing. Well, I got to thinking about this and thought, my back, I mean, I'm 58 now. My back cannot sustain hauling bait to 11 or 12 or 15 or 16 deer hunting spots. I started convincing my clients, my return clients, we need to look at some deer sign. We need to focus on maybe some licky branch stuff. And they all looked at me like, what are you talking about? So I shared with them what you and I talked about on previous podcasts. I told them, I said, hey, I've got four or five spots I've been experimenting because I'm that doubting Thomas. I want to see it. I want to see the, the results to believe it. It was amazing. So I started putting some people in those spots that were willing to uh, maybe go on some blind faith. Say, hey, Gary, if you said it's a good hunting spot, I'll sit there. You know, even though they're coming up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, driving seven hours or seven or eight hours to hunt with me for four or five days, they're seeing less deer, but they're shooting more quality bucks. They're actually shooting more, they're, they're harvesting more bucks than they ever have. I, I get to talk to people over the United States and Canada. They'll, they'll call in here and they want to talk about a certain type of lure and, and uh, <clears throat> You know, I try to help help everybody. You know, it, it you're going to kill way, way better quality of buck in the natural part of, of hunting with your licking branches, and especially with a good scrape. You got a good scrape going straight to a licking branch established. Yeah. And you get you get that going. Now, there's lots of guys, and I they got their cell cameras, and they they can get their inventory way ahead of time. You bet. And, and you know, bottle lore, the three orbital forehead buck in the digital. Go on the website, you get a package deal, you can save money by doing it that way. You can set up a lot of spots and a lot of... Also, there's a new way. I've worked with uh, Gene and Barry Wenzel and, and uh, Don Higgins. He, he's a big fan of hanging uh, ropes today. It's called, and you use that wicked wick compound that I developed. Oh, yeah. Put that... on it. And it, it's totally, it's totally um, different. All you got to do is get that rope soaked up in uh, Wicked Wick compound. And I'm teaching a new way now with uh, guys using A lot of guys are getting a rope today, 
and it's a hemp rope or it's a rope that's got a, quite a bit of smell to it, maybe even like a little creosote smell. Mm. So what I'm teaching today, get, get a five-gallon bucket, get your get water in it, throw them ropes in there, put a half of a box of uh, baking soda in there, and let that baking soda neutralize that scent out there. Let it sit in there for two days, pull it out, hang it up, rinse it off with your water hose, let it dry out. And uh, put it in a, a big bag if you can. Put your wicked wick compound in there, and then kind of just marinate it, just like a, just like you're marinating uh, deer meat, wow. bear meat. And then that'll let it soak up the scent in there and pull it out of the bag go out there and hunt. If, if you don't do it that way, you got to get them out there real early in April and and let that scent get off of them, and then go back in and doctor them up. You do one of them ropes, you doctor up the bottle. Compound, you don't have to put nothing else on it. it. It's saturated. It's good to go. But I would like to tear up the ground under about 30 inch pool bucket and digital gland or in there. Yeah. And you got that aggressive jump. You just jump started right into the aggressive mowing action. You bet. So we're seeing, based off what you and I are talking about, I mean, just by you and I talking about this, I get excited about this because it's whitetail hunting. I look at scouting and putting out uh, uh, scents on scent posts and, and licking branches and all that being a part of the process of hunting. The final process is hopefully, but it's not necessary, it's harvesting that wonderful animal. But there's so much to be had out there. I actually look forward to uh, trekking out there, even though it might be a little bit of buggy this in uh, even July and August, but you know, I, I stay out of the woods in May and June because uh, the bugs are so bad, and really mainly because I just don't want to bump into some uh, other does with their little, you know, their fawns. I want to give them as much space and privacy as possible. But this this kind of thing, when I showed it to a couple of buddies of mine, you know, it, it's they're saying, "Hey, this is quality, not quantity." This yeah, is it, it is it, it's not it's the quality of what we do. You know, I go out there and we hunt hard and we get a nice buck and we're, we got something we can give a little bit of bragging rights to. Yes, indeed. You go out there, you go out there and shoot one over a bait pile. Uh, what, do you, what do you really have to brag about? Yeah, yes. absolutely. What, what, do you, what, 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 what do you have in your, your heart, your soul? What, what can I really brag about? Did got hungry enough and come in or... or <laughs> description because that's exactly I agree 100% uh, you know my one buddy says hey so we really what you're saying Gary is your contact meaning he was referencing you and of course Jim Riggle and and the Wenzel boys and some others because he's got a friend of his that's doing the Licking Branch he's bought some stuff from you he says so really we're basically kind of bringing that stuff into the fold of hunting I says you know what it never left it's just a, it's a part of hunting that a lot of us left behind. It, it was always meant to be part of the, the skill set. I said, yeah. but taking a taking a bag of uh, corn or sugar beets and dumping it, I said, now don't get me wrong, I know a person that is pretty successful with that still has to find good deer areas 
but they really don't have to worry about finding, you know, this, their scouting is pretty minimal. Yeah, they, they don't put no time in it. No. They, they don't put any time in it. And, that, you know, deer have licky brass, great. They, they've been doing this for a million years. Yes, indeed. And, and you know, you, you just duplicate what uh, what they do and use a good quality scent. You, you'll have way more success. And you'll get to see what you really got in there. You know, they big bucks they get leery i just talked to a lot of guys going and they get leery these bait piles they don't they don't come in to that for night anyway and once in a while they'll kill a good one but not too often not too often they get smartened up to that that's right well you mentioned uh you mentioned the uh kind of the sticking point we'll say is good quality high quality lures I know you have that. I know that you've mentioned the process and what you kind of define as that high quality, that upper echelon lure. We know there's other people out there that do a fine job, but I guess if you were to define maybe some type of lures, maybe not the brand, but the type of lures that people should stay away from, you know, so if they're using something and they're wondering, hey, this isn't working like you guys say, maybe it's, maybe they're buying something that's, you know, right off the shelf isn't worth a, isn't worth a plug nickel anyways. Well, here, here's an easy way to, to uh, kind of explain that can really keep the quality. You can, you'd have, you can have a good quality of something, but if you're not able to keep it sustained in a good quality, it, it'll go bad. It'll go sour. It'll go bad. It'll go rancid. It'll go rank. So, you know, Grandma's been canning tomatoes for 75 years, and Grandma is canning tomatoes in and glass jar, and uh, she's not using no plastic bottles. Plastic bottles will allow us to leach the potency through it, or it'll uh, the polished plastic will break it down. So you really need that's number one. If you if you don't have something really sustainable to keep it in, it, it's not going to stay. Wait, you want to take home uh, your wife a bottle of uh, perfume that was in a plastic bottle? True that. You know, she she's what is this uh, flower water or something? I don't know what you, <laughs> what you call it, twilight water or something. You know? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but you know, you guys go get their flu shots. They're uh, they're not getting something drawn out of a plastic bottle. They're getting something that's coming out of glass and it's sealed. You put your you put your life on good quality. Uh, yes. Medicine. You, you you put your put your hard-earned money on something sustainable and it's in glass. If it's not glass, I strongly think you're, you're going to throw good money. You're just going to throw your good money away. Yes. You mentioned before on a previous podcast synthetic versus natural. Can you expand on that? Yeah. Deer will come to synthetics, but they're, they're going to do so much better with something that's natural. There's a lot of synthetic stuff out there. Some of it, I you know, some of it's probably uh, pretty good, but also they get educated by it. I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of guys that they use a, a synthetic type stuff. The deer, they they'll come to it for a little bit. Pretty soon, they'll just they'll go over there another thirty feet or something, and they'll start making making another scrape all over. Yeah, they, they'll 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 drift away from it. If you, if you was there the first time or two, you. You'd, you'd probably kill one. If you're going to have them consistently come back, and you're going to have other bucks uh, to come into that, 
bucks that you don't even know that's there. You really want something that's 100% natural. And nothing beats the real DNA of a deer. That's nothing, for sure. Nothing beats that. Nothing beats 100% natural. I agree. Two is there seems to be a, a process that a lot of high-quality uh, lure companies, including yourself, you're using the glass bottles, you're using the real stuff. You know, there seems to be that process that people stick to. You know, I've talked to a couple other people that were in the lure business or still are, mainly the trapper, you know, they like F&T, they're up in Alpena, Michigan. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, they talk about the same thing you're talking about when they took, talk about trapping lures. And, and it has to be in that glass bottle. has to be the real thing. And, you know, one guy even said it the same way you said. If you're going to spend money, why wouldn't you buy the, the all-natural stuff in glass bottles? I said, well, it might be a couple bucks more. I don't know. I even went to a uh, pharmaceutical-grade cap anymore. Yeah, the top of my, all my bottles come and... Uh, Got a pharmaceutical grade cap. I, yep. A lot of the uh, bottles had a little piece of cardboard up the top of it. I just got away from that too. I just every the best quality bottles that money can buy that I get them. And plus, once I got that lure into that bottle, and when it comes out, it's going to be that deer. Yes, indeed. Whether whether it's the gland lure or whether it's a doe and heat or whether it's a rut buck, metatarsal gland. No matter what it is, anybody can put something in a bottle, anybody. Yep. But, but you want that animal to come back out of the bottle. Us guys make uh, gland lures and major gland lures, and we have long-distance call lures and call lures and urines and baits. And everything's going to make glass, it's going to stay in glass. And the guys that are got the fox and the coyotes, yeah. you know, collecting urine, you know, last thing we need is something to go... <laughs> sour bad or rancid and yep you know there's a lot of work to this uh, gland business oh man flexing the glands and the last thing you want is for it to go bad you know you don't want it you don't want a trapper to call you and say hey it don't work no you know, no us guys have been around for a long time we know how to use lures we've yep. been out there in the elements at all time the deer hunters and, uh you know the, their best friend is the trapper Keeping you bet out there and Keeping the fawn populations from not getting killed off yeah. by 40% from these coyotes. And, you know, now the wolves are bad. They're, oh. they're, you know, they don't have to pick on something weak and sick. They, they'll kill something that's big and strong. Yeah, they will. We've got quite a population in our uh, upper peninsula. And, uh, boy, it's raising havoc with uh, our deer population. It's not the only thing, but it's another component. Yeah. Another component. I'm looking back on what we were just talking about, though, and, you know, just to kind of recap those first three things. So, uh, you know, it's it's hunting that I think most all people that buy a hunting or trapping license that really want to do is, is to get outside and be active outside, not just park their vehicle somewhere, walk down some trail, dump a bag of feed, and either sit at it or come back and sit at it, and then... Maybe sit there a day or two and not see much of anything and not have a backup plan. Yeah, Their backup plan is really nothing yeah. unless they dump another bag of beets or yeah. corn or something somewhere else. So I think we can fall in love again with the sport of hunting. And a lot of us haven't fallen out of it, but some have. By getting away from bait completely, getting back into the scouting, develop our skill sets, and of course... 
a lot of that has to do with uh, scouting out for deer using what they use every day. I call it that, you know, I, I, I kind of define you and Jim Riggle as that social media experts in the out of doors for the animals. You're, 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 you're looking at and you're speaking their language even though you're not talking to them, but uh, you're putting out scents that, uh, that communicate to them. Each one has its own has its own use. You're communicating with what a lot of people don't realize. On a licking brand, these bucks are communicating year-round. Just because you don't see that aggressive fall in action, just because you don't see that branch all chewed up, just because you don't see a fresh rub over there, that doesn't mean that they're not communicating, whether it's does or whether it's bucks. It, that they, they have their own language. They, yes. They communicate. They they. They know who's who. Yes, indeed. I, I can't think of a better time out in the woods as far as hunting, and I can't think of a better way to approach that sport of hunting and that going out and checking these scrape spots, I call them, and I know you do too, those primary rut spots, and finding that one area and starting some licking branches and maybe uh, or overtaking what they do or just, you know, accentuate the licking brand they've already started and maybe going a mile in, the, in another direction and doing the same thing somewhere else and and then figuring out maybe i've got time to do three or four of them but at least i'm you know i'm not hauling 60 80 pounds of uh, bait over my shoulder with really no plan in place i i can take three bottles of lure take your day pack take some water with you you just start out probably 100 acres and this will work out real well if you got if you got 100 acres and you and you got three good licking branches, scrape and uh, good scent post rubs there. Good, uh, good rub. You're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to get exercise. One there every couple weeks, and just touch everything up. You know, crush that branch, skin up a couple limbs, tear up the ground. If, if it's real hot, that real real hot in there, and the ground's real dry, take a little bottle of water. Pour it on the ground, tear it up, scratch it up. You know, make it moistened up a little bit. We're going to make a little side of able to rub. Just get some exercise. Get out in the woods. You know, it's not all about it's not all about killing. It, no. It, it's growing in, in the outdoors. It's growing your your woodsmanship. You know, back back here where, where I'm at, you know, firewood, you're meeting a garden is really important. And it's getting more important as things go on today. Yes, it is. Absolutely it is. Absolutely. Folks, we're going to pause because that ends or concludes part one of a three-part podcast with Smokey. Stay tuned for part two. This week's podcast brought to you by Bear Feed, Ritaychuk Farms. Let us help you take the worry out of picking the perfect bait. The only thing you have to worry about is tagging that bear. Stop in, see all the family, and check out our great selection of bear bait. FeedMIBear.com And also brought to you by M65 Bait Shop 2, located just before the boat launch in Augray, is now open, offering all your fishing supplies for catching that big one. They are your walleye headquarters of the Northeast, with the largest selection of custom bandits in northern Michigan. Stop in at either of their locations, the M65 Bait Shop of Whittemore, and the M65 Bait Shop 2 in Augray, located just before the DNR boat launch, open seven days a week from 8 to 4. 
veteran-owned. And with that, we conclude another podcast episode with Wild Game Dynasty. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe in your podcast app to receive notifications on future podcasts. Also, please head on over and check out our Facebook page. Be sure to like and follow it to stay up to date on highlights from our clients' turkey, bear, and white-tailed deer hunts. Until next time, guys, stay safe, enjoy the great outdoors, and happy hunting. (laughs) 